Rookie Thievers. Rookie Player Profile Edition. Welcome back to Rookie Fever, another... Yes, you heard it right. A Rookie Fever player profile. And I'm here today with, as you know, you saw it on the show, but Pat Fitzmaurice, one of my favorites, somebody I've been happy to, I, I think I'm, I'm going to call you a friend, Pat. Super stoked to have you on the so, st- uh, show. It's a show. Managing editor for Dynasty Pros. Well, you're the managing editor for Fantasy Pros. This is the best introduction ever. <laughs> managing editor fantasy pros dynasty pros podcast and then fits on fantasy what did i miss be- besides my tongue that i tripped over i think you got it swags and uh yeah i am i'm proud to call you a friend in the fantasy industry so you are on uh terra firma there and uh thanks for having me back buddy always good to talk with you and uh you know i've been i've been excited to do this particular show with you uh woke up excited to talk about the guy we're going to talk about so yeah and to get into so, absolutely so we'll tease them a little bit they're they saw the show title but we're still going to tease you just a little bit and and i want to say you guys are crushing it over there with your dynasty podcast and you're going through some of your rookies and getting it out there in every way we can it's interesting to see the flip over from the seasonal to people jumping right into these rookies and that's kind of uh what we're gonna do here a little bit so without further ado pat tell them who you picked and why so uh yeah when you asked me if there was anyone i wanted to talk about it didn't take me too long to spit out the name devon a chain the running back from texas a&m and uh, i've just been in love with this guy for like two years swags like his the the game that really got me to take notice of him was the 2020 orange bowl um technically it might have been played the first day or two of 2021 but um texas a&m was playing north carolina tie game late in the fourth quarter maybe three or four minutes left and uh aggies have the ball in their own 24 and they run a counter play um going left and they've got uh a guard and a tight end named Jalen Wittermeyer. Do you remember him from last year's class? Like, yeah. people thought maybe he was going to be one of the better tight ends in the class. And then he came out and ran like a 503 at the combine. And, and that was pretty much uh, the end of any enthusiasm for Wittermeyer. But Wittermeyer pulls left. And, uh, you know, so they run this counterplay left to A chain. And the blocking is really set up nicely. And Wittermeyer throws this great block on a linebacker. But, like, as he does, the linebacker kind of grabs him and takes him down. And A chain trips up a little bit on Wittermeyer's feet and then just like terrific job of staying balanced to stay on his feet, maintain it, gets up and then just friggin' blows by a couple of other North Carolina defenders and he's gone. 74 yard touchdown. Aggies win the game. Um, and, you know, since then, he didn't really play that much that year because they had Isaiah Spiller still and uh, an- another dude who I'm Aeneas maybe. Um, but so then he gets more run in 2021, uh, basically, you know, platooning with Spiller. And uh, like he was the better and more efficient back than Isaiah Spiller, I think, that year. And then last year, it was pretty much his show in the a and backfield. And, um, you know, like size and speed is what stands out with him because he is a blaze, man. He is just 
he's going to melt stopwatches at the he, combine. Uh, next absolutely, week. he doesn't make like football players look slow. He, if you you dig into Devin a chain a little bit, and he makes other college track. I don't want to say stars, but athletes look slow. Like the dude is fast. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think in 2020, like his final season of running track, high school track in Texas, he was the Texas Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year. I think he has run the 200 meters in something like 20 and a half seconds. I mean, he when he runs at the combine next week, Swags. Like, I'm. I don't think there are a lot of people who are head over heels in love with this dude, but like. He's definitely going sub 4-4. It's going to be like probably 4-3 something at the combine, but he could possibly run a 4-2 something, in which case, man, I mean, the enthusiasm is just going to be like the lid is going to be blown off. People are Mm -hmm. going to be really fired up about him. And and you mentioned the size and you've mentioned people not so as in love with him. Do you think it's because of the size, though, and being a little bit lighter? Like, I mean, wh- what? how much does he actually weigh? Like 185, 190? He's 185, 5'9", 185. So, yeah, and you and I know, Swags, there are, um, there, there are weights. Uh, people like that's going to be a disqualifying weight for some dynasty managers. Some people are really um obsessed with the dimensions and they have thresholds and if a guy doesn't hit those thresholds he's just sort of off their list so there will be some people who are just totally out on devon h and even if he does run some blazing fast 40 time but uh i don't think they should be because he doesn't really play like a smaller back i uh i love the way you said that obsessed with dimensions (laughs) (laughs) I, i don't think i've heard any of us say that really but um I might become obsessed with obsessions at this position at points. Like I like them a little bigger, two fifteen to two twenty. You know, Um, and he's not even hitting two. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, if he played smaller, like I don't think he is. Like he's not a Tariq Cohen. You know, Tariq Cohen get the ball and just scampering to the sidelines as quickly as he possibly could. A-Chain isn't like that, man. This dude will run through an arm tackle. He has, for a smaller dude, he has got, like, exceptional contact balance. And I was talking about this with my guy Derek Brown at Fantasy Pros. Like, mm-hmm. Debro was mad at Texas saying you that they slammed A-Chain to the tackle so much last year. It was the tackle teamly, and, like, they probably did not do a good enough job of getting him in in space. But, like, a-Chain's good that way, man. He can run in between the tackles. And if he wide, like, he's not looking to run to the sidelines. He's looking to cut it upfield and, you know, maximize his uh, run. Like, he's a north-south guy for a smaller guy. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm super excited about this guy. Yeah, and, and like you said, super fast. So, yeah, we got the combine coming up. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, the- that, like, the speed is the calling card, but there's a lot of other elements to his game yeah so we've got the combine coming up you talked about how we're probably going to get more and more excited about that do you think the nfl teams are going to get more excited as well and then at that point what kind of draft capital do you think will go into a chain do you think he gets that james cook love oh you didn't want to hear that <laughs> no i mean that's a that's a good comparison swags like cook went at the very end of round two 
last year. And I think that is a pretty good, like, you know, 230, 231 is a pretty good over-under for where A-Chain goes. He's, he's going on day two. Like, um, if I had to bet, I would probably bet that he goes in the third round. But if he does run a sub 4-3 next week, he's probably going second round. Yeah. It's not going to be that, like... Uh, I'm I, I'm not I don't favor comps a lot, but like he's not going to be like that Philip Lindsay where he was undrafted free agent, if I remember correctly, and Denver grabbed him and he had those a season and a half of just killing it. But Lindsay, another fast, smaller guy, showing that these guys are capable of doing it in the NFL. Yeah, man. Um, but I mean, like the Lindsay A chain. I mean, there for speed, like A chain is just like he is a tier above. He is yeah. uh, his his speed is pretty special. Yeah, uh, honestly, guys, you got to go out and just watch a little bit of of him, even in track. Like I said, you just really see how he blows people away, and dude is silly fast. Yeah, it's it's easy speed, man. The acceleration and like he doesn't have to gear down that much to make cuts, which you know might be some uh, a, a way in which his size and his low center of gravity kind of helps him out. Um, but yeah, man, like his, that, that speed is going to play in the NFL. There's no question about it. Are you concerned at all about his size then? And do you have any other concerns? I mean, that's it. Like, I guess my concern would be that he winds up with some team where they, uh, don't want to put him on the field as often as they should, because they're concerned about his pass blocking. I mean, yeah, a five, nine, one pound dude, pass blocking is not going to be his forte. Um, it, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, he's not, we haven't seen him used as sort of, uh, I mean, Austin Eckler is a really easy comp for him because of the size. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, we haven't seen that he can be as accomplished a pass catcher as Austin Eckler, like running routes and stuff. A lot of his, a lot of his receptions at A&M were dump off variety, just swing pass, right, swing pass, left. Um, you know, I, I think he probably can be an actual route runner and do wheel routes and, uh, you know, like blaze past linebackers and safeties in the NFL. But we just didn't see a lot of it yet. So no real concerns. I mean, size is the one. Durability, can he hold up or whatever. But, uh, you know, we've seen it happen with other backs and like some of the other comps. Like, like I mean, if, if one that might actually bring kind of true is Chris Johnson. As, as far as the speed, like he has got Chris Johnson's speed and Chris Johnson was kind of a slightly built dude, uh, a little taller than HN. I think Chris Johnson was like 5'11 or something. But like, you know, I'll, I don't think Chris Johnson was much over 200 pounds, if at all. Yeah. Um, so that's a fair comp. But the, the comp, I guess I really like the most for Devon HN is Warwick Dunn. And going kind of old school here, Swags, I mean, this is a guy who hasn't played in the NFL for 15 years now. Um, but, like, Dunn is kind of the same way. Like, he he was not a guy who played small, like, had that contact balance. And, like, you had to hit Warwick Dunn squarely to bring him down. And, and Warwick Dunn had, like, 4,000-yard rushing seasons and a bunch of 900-yard rushing seasons and was usually good for, like, 300-ish receiving yards. Um, but... You know, like towards the end of his career, there were some seasons where Atlanta just had him as their main guy. But I would more like to see A-Chain used the way Warwick Dunn was used earlier in his career, where they paired him with Mike Allstott, who, uh, you know, big fullback dude who was impossible to tackle. 
basically with just one guy. And uh, Allstott was number 40. And so the Allstott Warwick Dunn combination was referred to as WD-40 back in the day. And uh, that it was a hell of a thunder and lightning combination, man. Dude, it's so funny because like I, you bring up Chris Johnson and I'm thinking like to myself at that point, before we get into Warwick Dunn and WD-40, I'm thinking at that point in my head, I'm like, wow, we're seriously at the point where some dynasty and fantasy players, they've heard of Chris Johnson and they they look at the stats, but they don't realize that he was CJ2K to us for a couple of years. Like it was a really big deal. And then you, then you're just like, nope, I'm not done. <laughs> we're going back even further um so i think it's awesome that just the way this all just keeps just keeps growing and blowing up to the point where like you do have those little nicknames for the players and you you remember the players but some of those nicknames and what they meant to us and that like hype in the moment kind of wears off a little bit because um you know you probably some of you might remember how Chris Johnson ended more than how it all began. Right. Yeah, man. But like, go off the rails a little bit there. Sorry. Dude, no, uh, at the height of his powers. I mean, Chris Johnson was a a force. I mean, if you, if you had him in the CJ two K years, like you had it made at running back with that. Yeah. And so fun to watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you were getting a breakaway run every game from him, at least one. So, man, if we say in today's NFL, as close to a Chris Johnson, let's call that his ceiling, what would his floor be? Oh, man. Uh, That's a hell of a ceiling, by the way. <laughs> that is a hell of a ceiling. Yeah, so if, if the ceiling is like Warwick Dunn, Chris Johnson, I guess the floor is probably like Naheem Hines, where maybe just because of his size, he doesn't really get a shot to be a uh, more than just a change of pace guy in the running game and is seen like pretty strictly as a third down back you know hopefully he goes somewhere where they will use him a little more creatively and recognize his potential to contribute as a runner yeah and i mean while we don't want him to turn into naeem hines that's really still not the worst we still had some viable fantasy weeks where we kind of knew to use him when jonathan taylor was out um but i hear you that's not what we want him to be that's no fun yeah i mean he's too good to just totally bust like he's not going to be like dry archer who ran a a four two something at the combine and just couldn't play he was like too little and just not good at football so um a chain's too good for that to happen what about a system or team fit the landing maybe you know i'm trying to think of opportunity too but what excites you the miami dolphins like, that's my dream spot for him. Get him paired with Mike McDaniel, and, and they need some help at uh, running back, you know. Like, we've seen Raheem Mostert have some success there, and, like, Mostert is, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that wouldn't be a bad floor comparison for him, like, fast dude. But um, Mike McDaniel runs that wide zone running scheme. Like, I think that would be just perfect for A-Chain. And, dude, how much fun would it be to have Tyreek Hill – and Devon A. Chain on the field at the same time. I mean, my yeah. God, that that defensive coordinator playing the Miami Dolphins that week is not getting he's not getting any sleep. Yeah. And he, you didn't even mention Waddle. And Waddle. Think about that, man. That that would be insane. And I don't care what anybody says, and I think I don't think this is even a hot take or debatable, but Miami needs a running back. They do. They do. You know, yeah, like, I love that. 
and and the easy one would have been to say like the Chiefs or whatever, because yeah, you know give Andy Reid a, a speed back, and you know that's going to be fun too. But they kind of already have their speed back in Pacheco, maybe. And yeah, Pacheco isn't really a pass catcher, but um, I don't know. I I, I was even going to kind of stay super vanilla. I like yours a lot more, but and just keep chasing Naheem Hines with you and say that hey, maybe he would complement Jonathan Taylor really well too in that offense, and you could have two explosive running backs that have different traits but i like yours yeah man the only thing like if he goes to the colts he probably doesn't get the sort of early down workload you're looking for Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah somewhere somewhere where they could potentially pair him with like a a thumper type dude would not be bad you know like maybe if they i mean like i want to think javante williams has three down versatility with uh, Denver and, and could be like, you know, an all around workhorse type dude. But maybe after the knee injury, they look to like, you know, get a, a speed back as kind of the change of pace guy. So mm-hmm. Denver might be an interesting spot. I am concerned like about that. that injury. Yeah. So what do you feel like the consensus is from our dynasty community? You mentioned you feel like a little bit, people are a little lower on him. Yeah, so like I've got him RB3. To me, he's, you know, Bijan is pretty clearly the number one, and uh, Jameer Gibbs, the number two, and I've got A-Chain as the next highest guy. But I think there are going to be a lot of other people who have, I I would say most people are going to have Zach Charbonnet ranked higher. Um, And a lot of people are probably going to have like Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby, uh, Kendry Miller, Sean Tucker, like Mm -hmm. a lot, maybe Ty J. Spears. I just did a uh, best ball draft swags, like first best ball redraft of the year that uh, my my guy Billy Musio threw together. So a bunch nice. of analysts doing this best ball. And I got A-Chain in the late 14th round. It was like 14-10. And he was the seventh rookie running back off the board. It was, uh, let's see, I wrote it down here. Bijan, Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller, Zach Charbonnet and then a chain. So yeah, I think he's, he's, uh, you know, probably in the five to eight range for a lot of people right now, but we'll see, man. I think he's, I think he's going to be moving up after the combine. So a value to you at that spot. I think so. Yeah. What was that overall? So let's see that around what area were you there? Uh, that would have been about one forty two overall. So pretty deep. I mean, and in best ball, man, where you're just like, forgetting about it it, it, he could easily hit your lineup some weeks oh yeah they're gonna be they're gonna be some explosive plays i think if you uh if you get him involved right away how would you say devin the chain ranks compared to some of last year's running backs oh man um it's tough isn't it because you have walker and damian pierce yeah so definitely behind Brees hall and, and walker and, um, you know, Pierce was sort of used in a weird way at Florida, not as much as he should have been. So, like, I think assuming that A-Chain does what I think he's going to do in the, the 40 at the combine and some of the agility drills where he's probably going to test really well, too. Um, you know, I, I think he might have been as high as like three, four. Um, you know, again, like, I mean, he played with Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their numbers when they played together in A-Chain's sophomore year, like, A-Chain was better. He was better and more efficient. Uh, you know, different kind of back for sure. I mean, Spiller is not, like, 
you know, the, the 40 time at the combine sort of torpedoed some of the enthusiasm for Spiller. But um, like, I think A-Chain probably would have gone like third or fourth last year in rookie drafts. I'm wondering, like, for you, because we're mentioning the combine and we're going to speculate after that, naturally. But I want to go even further. Now, he doesn't get drafted until the fourth round. Does that change anything for you? It might. Oh, you uh, can even have your landing spot of choice, but he's not drafted there until the fourth round of the NFL draft. I don't think so. And by the way, one of the guys, when we were talking about uh, rookie running backs last year, Swags, I, I totally forgot to mention James Cook. And I guess mm-hmm. that is the guy, probably a lot of people, you would have had some people prefer A-Chain and some people prefer James Cook. But we talked about how Cook went at the end of the second round. Like, I think that would have been pretty close to where A-Chain would have landed last year and where he's probably going to land this year. But let's say he does go to the fourth. No, I guess I wouldn't be that discouraged about him. Uh, maybe a little bit. I'd, in a way, I'd probably be happy because I'd be... Uh, more easily able to get him in rookie dynasty drafts. So, um, yeah, I don't think it would change that much for me just because we know that the NFL is viewing running backs differently nowadays and not giving these guys the sort of draft capital they had when, um, you know, Warwick Dunn was a top 10 pick when he came out of college. I think he went like eighth overall. Like Leonard Fournette, just a, you know, not yeah. that long ago, was the fourth overall pick. And, you know, Saquon, obviously, people just aren't drafting running backs like that. And we're going to see it this year when, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson probably isn't going to go in the top half of the first round. And who knows, maybe pretty late in the first round. We saw Jonathan Taylor, who is a pretty bulletproof prospect, go early second. So, Mm -hmm. um, like, it doesn't freak me out if running backs slide a little bit in the draft and and maybe go a little lower than you think they're going to go. I agree. The the third and fourth round is kind of the new second and third round. Exactly. For running back talent. Yeah, well said. Pat, who is your guy in the 2023 rookie drafts? Oh, man. Well, you know, I guess it's A-Chain Swags, but since, uh, you know, we're we're probably looking for another name here. You, um, can, you can have him be your guy. Yeah, I mean he he is my guy, but I'll I'll give you one other guy too. Uh, Quentin Johnston is pretty much my like he's my guy at wide receiver. Um, you know Jordan Addison and and Jackson Smith and Jigba are terrific players and could immediately become eighty or ninety catch guys, but they're also smaller receivers. And you know I shouldn't be a sizeist here if we're talking about Devon H on a Devon A chain show. I can't be biased <laughs> and such, but you know I do like. The fact that Quentin Johnson is 6'4 and 212 pounds and is going to run like 4'3 at his pro day, or I don't know if he's going to run at the combine, but like he's going to be a sub 4'4 guy, no question. And, you know, like big wingspan, um, alpha receiver. He's probably going to walk in and be someone's starting X receiver from day one. And I mean, body control, hands. Um, we saw a lot more, uh, a lot greater use of zone coverage last year and i think that bodes really well if that trend continues for quentin johnson because if you don't press this guy like he gets up to speed so quickly like not pressing this dude is just like defensive suicide i mean he will rip you apart and uh you know did that to the michigan wolverines on uh new year's eve day and uh yeah man i mean 
I think this guy's a baller and he's going to be my QB one, even if he's drafted behind Addison and JSN. Pat, I, I was really enjoying our entire conversation until you mentioned the Michigan Wolverines game that he ripped us apart. Uh, Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, I know, I know Michigan fans who watch that game, uh, they're going to have a healthy respect for Quentin Johnston in, in rookie drafts this year. Yeah. You mentioned bias in within this conversation a little bit here. And one thing Fenero and I have noticed within the rookie fever player profiles is when I reach out to Pat, I ask Pat who he wants to pick a lot of times, 99% of the time we all pick players. We like a lot. We tell you the positives, but as dynasty managers, we all kind of know that there is, there is risks in all of this. And we, don't get into the negatives quite a bit. So this is kind of an important question. Somebody's going to be on a rookie fever player profile talking about all the pluses of the next guy. Pat's going to say one guy you won't touch and everyone's going to overdraft Pat. I'm going to say, and and I don't have any guys that really, uh, you know, like not too many guys who are toxic to me in this draft yet, at least not at this point, a little early, right? Yeah, it is a little early to to start picking nits on some of these guys. You know, when they when we see the guys who uh, do of the you know Jalen Wittermeyer or Isaiah Spiller type slow forties at the combine, there will be some guys I scratch off the list for sure. But one guy I don't think I'm going to wind up with in any rookie drafts swags, um, Michael Mayer, the the consensus number one tight end from Notre Dame. Um, so like he's gotten the baby Gronk comps. I, I don't think he's quite the like dynamic playmaker Gronk is and the other comp you hear a lot for him is Jason Witten which I can buy because Mayer is considered this classic two-way tight end good blocker um, who can also catch a lot of passes good hands uh, tough to bring down so like I don't think he's a bad player but you know Witten was unquestionably valuable in fantasy. The dude had like 4,000 yard seasons, a, a bunch of 900 yard seasons, some 800, yeah. 700. Like he was a producer. Witten was like the safest floor tight end you could maybe ever have, but the Absolutely. ceiling, but he was just, he could just, you could ride him. Absolutely. And in the tight end environment we have now, I mean, and maybe this is what could make Mayer a valuable fantasy guy. It's like such an unstable position. If you get a guy who you know you can write in for 800 yards, like that's gold today especially in like tight end premium leagues but if you are going to get me excited about a tight end who could possibly go in the first round i mean he will go in the first round in one qb dynasty leagues but he might even go in the first round of some super flex leagues i'm not going to be like jason witten is not the comp i want to hear if you're going to get me fired up i want to hear tony gonzalez i want to hear antonio gates i want to hear about some dude with like crazy freaking athleticism swags like yeah I don't want to hear about Jason Witten because then I'm going to be worried that he turns out to be like O.J. Howard. You know what I mean? Like who everyone was like, oh, he's such a good blocker, but he catches passes too. And like now O.J. Howard is basically just a blocker and never materialized as a pass catcher. The other thing about it, Swags, like with Mayer, is that his value is or should be diluted by the depth of this tight end class. Like this is low-key a great tight end class. And... Um, maybe not even low key once we see the draft and like mm-hmm. multiple tight ends are going in the first round and a bunch more day two. I know Daniel Jeremiah put out his top 50 a couple weeks ago and he had five tight ends in his top 50. Wow. So yeah, man. And like, 
Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Darnell yeah. Washington, Sam Laporta, uh, and Kincaid and Musgrave might be better pure pass catchers than Mayer. So I'm just I'm not that excited about Mayer. If I'm going to spend a first round draft pick in a rookie draft on a tight end, I'm going to wait a year and do it for Brock Bowers when he comes out of the University of Georgia. I'm not doing it yeah. for Mayer. I, I couldn't agree more. And especially, I just think tight end is a position you can wait on. And most times, like you're going to find an ease of buy window on them. I I often look through like past rookie drafts just to see what happens and see the trends in our leagues. I think that's something you guys should do as well. Um, but I I saw Trey McBride go 105 in a super flex tight end premium. So obviously last year, 105, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like that hurt. Right, man. And, and like, I can almost see people reaching for McBride last year just because it was such a bad year for tight ends or considered a bad year. Now, maybe it might not turn out that way because it doesn't you know, feel that way to him today. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, and McBride, it turned out, might not have been the best guy. Like, Greg Dulcich out, out produced him, Isaiah Likely, Chigo Conquo, you know, all these guys who are, yeah. are maybe more promising. And Daniel Bellinger. Bellinger, yeah, um, who's the the big guy from uh, Indy, Jelani Woods. Yeah. Like, it was maybe a better tight end class than we thought it was going to be, but people were kind of pegging, uh, you know, uh, McBride as, like, the, the clear top Ooh, tight I end. I still want him. I still want him, actually. I, I'm, I'm not into the, like or out on the idea of adding in my teams, but I just look at that 105 in that capital and I'm just like, oh man. Yeah, that was crazy. Not offering you a first for him. No. <laughs> or too many tight ends for that matter. What's some advice that you might give specific to the off season, maybe the 2023 rookie class, Devi, Dynasty? Pat, you talk to a lot of people, do a, diff a lot of different things. Like, What's something you're trying to do to some of your teams? Oh, man. Um, I have not, uh, in some of my Dynasty League teams, I have not tended the quarterback position well enough. It, presumably, we're talking super flex here, um, you know, because that's definitely the way I prefer to play Dynasty. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have uh, kind of let myself get into a position where, you know, I've got Mac Jones starting for me in a bunch of leagues, and that doesn't feel really good. So um, I, I do think... In this year's class with um, four really interesting quarterbacks, two, cor two sort of fully formed guys in Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, who are like an offensive coordinator's, uh, you know, happy dream where these guys are going to step in and not have to be coached that much because they are good processors and read the field well and go through all their pro progressions and can like you know, make anticipatory throws and everything. And then you've got like the uh, wish upon a star guys with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson who can throw the ball through a brick wall and are both like running quarterbacks too. And Levis is a big dude. Levis is like, it's easy to see Josh Allen when you look at that dude. Yeah. And, and Richardson too, man. I mean, Richardson is like a more mobile version of Dante Culpepper. Like that dude is friggin' big and powerful and has just a rocket for an arm. So, um, like, I kind of think that these guys should probably go all of them like top six in a super flex rookie draft. And, um, you know, even if like someone in this group, maybe Richardson slides like to the second half of the first round in the NFL draft, like I'm still going to pull the trigger early with my mid round picks if I can. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, part of that is my own fault because I've let quarterback go in some of these leagues. But, um, you know, quarterback is, I, I think it was uh, Dynasty Rich who uh, was saying to me that, you know, that is the economy of super flex. Like, absolutely. You've got to push up the quarterbacks. And even, I, I think we had this argument, you know, it, it was, it wound up not being a great way for him to make the argument because we were talking about like Zach Wilson versus Jamar Chase or something like that. Um, mm. But you got to pump up the value of the quarterbacks in, in dynasty rookie drafts. And I think all those, yeah. all four of those dudes are immensely valuable. Yeah, I agree, Pat. You were on the super flexible podcast with me and I can't tell you how much the quarterback position means to me in that particular format. And I love that advice. I have a couple teams where I feel like, because honestly, I mean, you say you've neglected the position, and maybe you have. I don't know what you've done, but the quarterback landscape has also changed so much in the last couple years that some teams that felt really good a year or two ago look at their teams now and they're like, what happened, you know? And so a lot has changed. I have some teams even with how I feel about the position, I'm like, oh man, I, I don't feel as good anymore. And people are coming at me for like that 108 to 110 with players that I think would be of value for me to take. But then I'm like, man, what if that quarterback that I need falls to me right there? And I'm holding on just for that hope that the right quarterback falls to me, That which might be silly, but I don't know what else to do in some of these situations where I need a quarterback that bad. And you never know when you're going to become needy at that position, Swags. And I'll give you the perfect example. In my favorite dynasty league, I was feeling pretty great about my quarterback position, say, last October uh, when I, you know, with Kyler Murray and Tua. That was my quarterback tandem. Feeling yeah. great about that combination in October. Like, hey, Tua is actually really good. And, uh, you know, Kyler's Kyler. Now... <laughs> I am in a bad way coming into this new season because who knows when Kyler's going to be ready to play after the late season. Wait, not AC. Kyler. And Tua is like maybe one more concussion away from retirement. So, uh, you know, suddenly I'm a quarterback needy dude in that league after thinking I was just totally set. Tua is taking judo lessons so that he can learn how to fall better. I saw that man. Maybe they, uh, maybe they ought to have him train with some WWE guys so he can, uh, you know, take those bumps and, and get up and keep going. Hopefully, I don't want him to take too many more bumps, Pat. <laughs> I know. Hey, I super appreciate you coming on and doing this rookie fever player profile for me. Pat is Fitz underscore FF on Twitter. Pat, is there anything else you want to plug away before we get out of here? No, that's it. I mean, people, uh, you know, if, if you, um, I know you are giving your listeners and viewers all they can handle as far as uh, rookie content swags. I mean, yeah, you're, you're opening the spigot for them, but if they really want to drink from the firehouse, I mean, we're obviously going to be really rookie focused on the fantasy pros dynasty podcast. My partner, Scott Bogman and I, um, you know, as we get closer, pretty much everything I think after this week's show is going to be like rookie content, probably all the way through the draft. So, um, you know, we'll give that to you every week. And uh, yeah, I hope people check it out. And dude, thanks for having me on this. I love this premise for a show. Just really drill down on one guy. And uh, I can't wait to see some of the other, you know, conversations you have with people about the guys in this class because it's a fun class, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. We're dropping them every Monday and Wednesday, and then we have our regular weekly show dropping on Fridays. 
Appreciate you a ton, Pat. I am at Swagzilla Zero G. Usually I do this show with at Art Bark TV. We are at Rookie Fever on Twitter and we are out. When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, fever all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you go. Never done this to be full and run I told you anyone Size and speed just unreal Landing spot not ideal Wait, what's this breakout It's for rookie fever stage Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same When he pulled his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my friend Now we get a fever When we kiss it Fever without blaming you Fever I'm a fire so who's got the fever? Cause I got the fever. Now you got the fever. So she got the fever. And she got the fever. No cure for the fever. So let's feed the fever. Thank God for the fever. Thank God for the fever. Now you got 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 the fever.